0: Hey, Pi Tribe, buckle up for a new episode of the Passive Income Examiner, the number one podcast for budding entrepreneurs and business owners looking to diversify their income with passive strategies. Welcome to season two, focused on building successful online businesses with evergreen marketing solutions. I'm your host, Lindsay Sutherland. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Pi Tribe. Welcome back. I'm your host, Lindsay Sutherland, small business strategist focusing on helping service-based business owners develop passive revenue streams so you can unplug from your business without taking a hit to your bottom line. We're in a five-part mini-series discussing five reasons why your product or service is not selling. If you haven't already listened to the prior episodes, definitely binge on those because there is tons of value in each one. The way I formatted this series was based on the pretense that as a business owner, you already have an offer, but it's not selling. With that in mind, it stands to reason that you've already thought long and hard about how to package your offer, what to price it at, and who it serves. You may have even gathered a focus group and done a small test market to ensure the product is marketable. But even though you went through all of that trouble, you're still having difficulty making sales. This is why the series ends with a poor offer being the reason that your product isn't selling. By now, the problem most likely lies in the first four reasons. However, if you've already covered those points, the first was messaging, the second was visibility, the third sales, and the fourth was the funnel, then it is possible that your offer is not juicy enough. So let's cover three components of a juicy offer. Sit tight for the entire episode because I'm going to reveal tips you can use that will help you troubleshoot what the most likely problem is. And of course, I've saved the best for last. And for those of you listening who don't have an offer yet, I encourage you to listen anyway because this episode will help give you foresight as you develop your product suite. Think of your offer like a milk stool with three legs. Each leg is necessary to keep the stool stable. The three primary components are price, value, and transformation. So you might be thinking that value and price are the same thing, but they're not, and I'll explain. But first, I want to say that when we're creating an offer or evaluating it, it's really best to start with the transformation. Because ultimately, this is what controls the messaging, which is very, very important. So start by asking yourself, what path are you walking your client down? Really think about your offer and your product from the perspective of your client. I just cannot stress that enough. Your offer needs to solve their problem. Imagine your client is standing at the beginning of a trail in the thick of a forest, when in reality, it is symbolic for the thick of their problem. Perhaps they're a coach, but they're struggling to get consistent clients, or maybe they're a new mother struggling to adjust to motherhood while balancing her career and home life. Either way, they're stuck in the muck. Now, as they walk down the trail, i.e. your offer, you're guiding them to the end where they will experience a breakthrough. Now, if you're putting together a drop shipping store or an online retail space, once again, it is still important and valid to really think about what problem your product solves. The more significant the problem is, the more someone is willing to pay to fix it. This is why houses and cars are usually a stable industry, even when the economy goes south, because everyone needs a place to live and a way to get around. And in relation to the comment about houses and cars, it's easy to say, well, you know, that's not true. That industry tanks too. But what I always noticed working in the car industry was that on the times when people were not buying new cars, they were investing their money and fixing them up. So the service department would flourish and vice versa. When service was down and people were busy buying new cars because the economy was good, the dealership was still doing well all the way around. So You know, the same as with houses, when the market's hot and houses are selling, you know, it's easier, yes, but either way, people still need somewhere to live. When the economy tanked, the rental market goes up. So you see, there's always something in the industry that is successful. This concept is the same reason why stores that offer frilly stuff like gifts, candles, and so on, usually struggle more than others. One example that comes to mind is in the network marketing community. Sensi was a very popular, like, uh, company when it first came out. I remember my sister was a huge Sensi lover; she still is, and she joined the Sensi team. And this was back, of course. She joined back before you started to see things in Walmart that look like Sensi. I mean, it's a different brand, but it's a it's a knockoff essentially. And so it was exclusive. There was nowhere else to get it. And that's why when it first launched, it did pretty well. But as time has gone on, it hasn't been doing as well as it once did. Their prices have gone up. There's more competition. It's just harder to make profit and to sell in that particular um, company. Whereas a company like Mary Kay, which is offering products that women use every day, they're becoming a need because women feel that they really do need them to look their best, plus they're literally washing them down the drain every day, that company is much more stable and lucrative for the company and even for the team members. So as a matter of fact, according to a website called stacker.com, which published just this month, the list of the top 50th the top 50 biggest multi-level marketing companies in the world. Sensi is ranked number 44 out of 50, whereas Mary Kay ranks number six. So see, it's not just my own opinion. (laughs) And a random side note that I personally found interesting while I was on this little bunny trail, Avon was ranked higher than Mary Kay, number two, and Amway was ranked number one, which in the context of what we're talking about, really makes a lot of sense because Amway offers everything, household products, beauty products, and health products. They really cover everything people already use and need. In other words, they're like the Walmart or the Amazon of the MLM world. So it makes sense that they are the number one multi-level marketing company in the world. And by the way, they're $3 billion. Their they're worth is $3 billion more than Avon, so they are just leading the pack. This episode is brought to you by Kajabi, the platform with a full suite of world-class online business tools working seamlessly together. I've been using Kajabi now for nearly a year, and I'm absolutely in love with this program. Prior to Kajabi, I was experimenting with other platforms, and so many of them were not user-friendly. They were difficult to get online pages to sync up with the cart or getting opt-ins and emails, To be easily set up. I was beginning to dread the time it was going to take to set up a simple landing page. Honestly, I can say that since working with Kajabi, I have been extremely happy. I can't imagine leaving for any reason at this point, mainly because it saves me so much time and it doesn't give me a headache. Listen, I consider myself pretty tech savvy for the most part, but that doesn't mean that I want to be a tech genius every time I want to put together an offer. Kajabi makes it so simple to create online products and it gives me the tools I need so my marketing is synchronized. I really can't say enough great things about Kajabi. If you click the link in the description, you will get a free 30-day trial with Kajabi on behalf of the Passive Income Examiner. So be sure to check out the description. Now back to the show. Now, now that I've kind of gone down this bunny trail, and by the way, I must say, MLMs are not passive income. Sometimes they can be residual, but you have to work really hard to get to that level. Um, in most of the companies, they're each unique, but that wasn't the purpose of mentioning them. Mostly what I wanted to do was just highlight how their products become, you know, fill the need of their customers and how that benefits them overall. So let me bring this back to the case in point. An offer needs to be relevant, useful, and solve a problem in order to be juicy. The next pillar of the milk stool is price. When people are shopping for a product, they first decide if the product can solve their problem, which we just talked about. But once then they've gotten past that, what seems the next likely step is to take a look at the price and determine if it's comparable to other solutions on the market. But really... The real deciding factor is often the value. Yes, there are those people who shop for price and they will always shop for price. They'll most likely choose the least expensive option no matter what, but the majority of buyers will pay more for the product that offers more value. And specifically, they'll pay more when it matters to them. So let me give you an example between my husband and I. When we go shopping at the grocery store, he always buys the cheapest of whatever. You know, there's the store brand black beans and then there's Bush's black beans, right? It doesn't really matter what he's buying. He will buy the least expensive of whatever, even coffee creamer, which friends, he is a coffee fanatic. And so he will stick to whatever's cheaper if the brand he doesn't normally prefer is on sale, okay? So that's just to give you, one example. And and to not to say that he's like that all the time. He's like that with groceries. When it comes to other things, there's times when he does spend more because he thinks that the product will be better. Um, And for example, what I mean is like, maybe he's buying parts for his vehicle or, you know, shoes. He'll invest in shoes. There's certain things that matter to him that he invests in and doesn't just shop for price. Now, me, on the other hand, I'm kind of this way with food. I like to buy the more expensive brands, but I also have interesting diet habits. I don't eat dairy or gluten. So sometimes the food that I eat is more costly, but I also like fresher foods. So I will go out of my way to buy organic or go to restaurants that offer really um, healthy meals rather than a burger joint. Okay, so there's just... An example, and I'm sure you can think of some too that pertain to you if you think about maybe the difference between how you and your spouse shop or make choices and spend their money, spend your money rather. You know, you look around and you think to yourself, yeah, it's probably true. There's some areas where I just penny pinch and I'm not going to spend the extra money. Whereas other areas, I'll spend more when I see value. And that's really what I'm talking about. The value is determined by the perks that a person will experience with your product. Now, sometimes that will encourage people to pay more or choose your product over a competitor's same-priced offer that is not offering the same value. So when you combine these three pillars, transformation, value, and price, you have the making of a juicy offer. But how do you know which pillar your offer needs to have embellished to become more sellable. All right, now here's the good stuff. We're going to break down how you can audit your offer. So first and foremost, do some market research. Do a market analysis. Start by comparing your offer or product to at least three others, but five would be better, um, that are very much the same in your industry. And it may even be more powerful for you to outsource this and get somebody uh, to do this for you who is more objective a market analysis should compare the offer the price and the value it's a great time to evaluate messaging and visibility as well so when you have or if you have somebody outside of your company doing this really make sure to ask them to pay attention to the words that you you know that got your attention or or some words that might have turned you off so you can kind of get that evaluation at the same time. Because like I said in episode two, messaging is so important. It's always good to have a freshen up on that, I believe. I'm a firm believer in that. <laughs> okay, another one, another great way to check your your offer, evaluate your offer rather is to create a focus group of your own and get feedback from people. Make sure to let them know in advance that you want their honest answers. Sometimes my experience has been that people don't always tell you the truth, even though they might be your friends, they might be your loved ones, coworkers, whatever. I have done this in the past where I've asked for honest feedback. I get a lot of good, this is great, I like it. Oh, you might want to tweak this one little thing. And I've experienced where those same people come back later. And as if out of the blue, tell you something that needs to be fixed that you're thinking, why didn't you say that the first time I asked you for your opinion? So really the best way to do a focus group is to A, ask them if they can be completely brutally honest. B, create an anonymous Form. This would be the best way because this way people could feel like they can share their opinion without you knowing. So, if it's possible to send them a form or get a Google form, I don't know how if you could do that and just keep it anonymous, but have them fill it out and submit it to you or submit it to somebody else, whatever. Try to keep some anonymity. That's, I guess, what I'm trying to say because I think people will be more honest. And if you really want honesty, get strangers, people you don't even know because strangers. Friends, they have no problem telling you the truth, right? So, you know, one last tip on this, if these two options don't really seem viable or even better, you could do more than one, um, would be to survey your audience. So you can do this by email or by a phone call. Reach out to people who bought your product and ask them what they liked and reach out to people who didn't buy your product and ask them what you could have done differently or better or why did they choose another brand? We did this often in the car business. I mean, it was part part of just following up to see if they were still in the market. But when they weren't in the market, we would ask them why they went somewhere else. And even in the service department, we would reach out to people and ask them if they were ready to come in for service. If they said no, we would ask why and find out. Was it because that they thought we were too expensive? Was it because, you know, maybe they have a friend that's a mechanic? You know, the goal of the conversation wasn't always just to sell them into coming in. It was often just to discover what we were doing, how were we showing up in the industry, and how could we become more competitive? So this is exactly what I'm trying to express to you here, is if you use these three tips, the market analysis, a market, um, or rather a focus group, and lastly, survey your audience, you'll start to see really the truth about what it is that you need to do differently And if you need to add more value, you know, ask the people, well, what value would you like to see here that would make this offer more enticing? Definitely get that feedback because it is worth gold. Now, if you're listening to this in the last bit, you thought to yourself, well, I don't know who actually looked at my offer and didn't buy. Then my friends, you have a problem with your funnel and you need a better lead caption tool. No matter what your product or your service is, you absolutely should know these metrics. You should know how many prospects you need to generate a lead. And by prospects I mean looky lose, right? How many people visit your website to generate a lead? But but if you're not tracking them, even by offering something free like signing up for a newsletter or you know, subscribing to subscribing to your newsletter, I guess is what I mean or you know, giving them a free something or other, a freebie it's called, then you're missing out because what's happening is they're bouncing and then you have no way to follow up with them and really nurture them beyond that first stage because oftentimes people are just doing research. And so they might hit up on your site and then go somewhere else. So really, if you don't know these numbers, then please make sure you get yourself a lead capture. Because as I was saying, you need to know these numbers. So how many prospects does it take to generate a lead? How many leads does it does it take to create a sale? Knowing how you will generate leads is discussed in episode two and, um, and four of season two. So it's when we talked about messaging and visibility. So definitely go back and listen to those. When creating a promotion for your offer, remember to keep the messaging about the client and not about the offer. This is such a common mistake. I just wanna add a little value more to this episode by pointing that out. It's not always about the sizzle. It's also about recognizing and helping that person recognize that your offer is the solution to their problem. Because if you're just talking about yourself, then they may be asking themselves, like, how is this going to solve my problem? And they're not seeing it in your messaging. You're not telling them how you're going to solve their problem. So they'll move on to somebody else who says it. You know, if you think about it, when people are in the research phase, they're comparing you to others and they're asking themselves only one question. Which option is best for me? They're only aware of themselves and the need that they have. So think about your experience buying something. Say you wanted a new vehicle. You would start by asking yourself, what needs do you have? Do you need a seven passenger vehicle or do you need four by four? Would a truck be better for you because of what you do for a living or is a compact car more uh, in alignment with your budget and so on? So then you go deeper after you focus on your needs. Then you go, now, what do I like, right? So see how that works. First, you discuss the need and then the like. That is the number one rule for you to remember. And that's like your big takeaway for this episode, okay? <laughs> All right, guys, that was a lot of information to take in. Definitely go back and review the series to go deeper into the five reasons your product is not selling. Messaging, as I said, was first, then visibility. Then we have really got into sales and salesmanship, then the funnel, and now the offer. So at this point, maybe you're thinking that, this is too much for you to do on your own, or you're overwhelmed and you've already feel like you've tried everything, but you're still not succeeding. The problem I see the most is that business owners are too close to their business to objectively look at this. So if you're sitting there thinking to yourself, my gosh, this was so much information. I either need to go back through and take notes, or I think I might need some help. Listen, friends, I've got you covered. This is what I do. I love to do this. I do business audits for people where I can literally look at everything because of my experience from marketing all the way through to sales. I can look at your business and I help you identify what parts of your process are broken and then also give you the guidance you need to get yourself on the right track. So definitely reach out to me. Um, My email is Examiner at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram to set up a consultation. And Pi Tribe, just because you're so awesome, and I want to thank you for your loyalty, you, just by listening to this episode, are eligible for a free business consultation with moi. I would love for you to send me that email so that we can get scheduled and dive into your business and really start to see how we can help your product sell and your business grow. Once again, my email is thepassiveincomeexaminer at gmail.com. I'm also on Instagram at thepassiveincomeexaminer. All right, friends, thank you again so much for tuning in. As always, bye for now. If you like mommy so, leave of you. Thank you so much for being a loyal listener. I am truly grateful for you. And if this podcast has inspired you in any way, head over to iTunes and leave a written review. I would appreciate it so much. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for helping to spread the word by sharing this show with your friends.